Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday evening, and it is March 5th, 2021. Boy, oh boy, spring hopefully not too far off in the distant future. I hope all of you are doing well uh, with all of the crazy lunacy that now passes for uh, business as usual, whether it's COVID, whether it's the lockdowns, whether it's the concerns that we have for the Biden administration and the uh, crazy stuff they've been doing and trying to do, uh, you know, maybe at some point things have to get so bad that nobody can ignore it. There's a wonderful documentary that I, I was watching about Ruth Bader Ginsburg, and it's really a fascinating uh, documentary. I recommend that all of you watch it. <clears throat> you don't have to agree with Ruth Bader Ginsburg to appreciate what a trailblazer she was, what a unique person she was. Uh, my kids actually went to the same high school that she attended, and there's a moot courtroom in that high school, um, and my kids um, were involved with, with moot trials and so forth. And to realize the humble beginnings, in fact, I, I'm certainly no fan of Chuck Schumer. He went to that high school. These were public schools that really exemplified the best of the American educational uh, system but uh, decades ago. Uh, A public school education was amazing. Uh, I'm an alumnus of Brooklyn College. My wife is. My first wife, may she rest in peace, graduated from honors also, City University of New York. This was essentially a free education. Um, Two of my kids, uh, they're all honors students. Two of my boys were engineers. That was my dream went to City University of New York, essentially a free school, minimal cost. So the education is still available. The lies that we've been hearing from the politicians is that, well, we need to import the world's best and brightest because our kids are too stupid and the schools are too messed up. The public schools are screwed up. And the way that schools have become centers for propaganda is outrageous. It never should be allowed. It needs to stop. President Trump was trying to stop it. Of course, Joe Biden marches lockstep with using those schools as propaganda centers. This is about a radical hard turn to the radical totalitarian left. And and this is not serving America's best interests, certainly not serving the best interests of Americans. And one of the first questions that we really should be asking our politicians, and unfortunately the journalists so-called never do it, But the most logical and rational question that should be asked of Biden or any political leader, how are your policies and actions in the best interest of the people uh, that you're supposed to serve, the American citizens, the residents of your cities, the residents of your states, when you have sanctuary policies making it easy for gangs and terrorists to embed themselves in your community, making it easy for people to ignore the immigration laws, to hire aliens who displace Americans, how does that help Americans? 
Abe Lincoln talked about a government of the people, by the people, for the people. How in the world is this government of the people, by the people, for the people, when Americans are getting displaced, wages are pushed into the basement, and you wind up with large problems of homelessness and crime and drugs and squalor um, in some of our most amazing cities. New York is a shadow of what it used to be because of the idiot mayor in New York. He's doing a victory dance over Governor Cuomo, Governor Cuomo is an absolute immoral train wreck, in my judgment. And what's interesting is they both were big champions for sanctuary cities and handcuffing federal immigration authorities who are simply trying to protect America and Americans. Epic Times just running a story that Iran is boasting that they have sleeper agents embedded in Washington, D.C. I've been talking about this forever. You're not going to hear it in the mainstream media. And if they're here, how did they get here? Well, they may have run the border. Maybe they committed visa fraud. The point is they violated uh, sections of the immigration laws and vulnerabilities in the immigration system, and Joe Biden has blown the doors off the hinges. Our borders are our first and last line of defense against criminals and fugitives and terrorists, aliens with dangerous communicable diseases, aliens who pose a threat to public safety, public health, national security, the jobs and wages of Americans. Is this the time? Is, is there ever a time when the politicians should be showing utter contempt for those laws that have nothing to do with race, religion, or ethnicity? Go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. It enumerates the categories of aliens to be excluded from the United States. There is not one word in that law that deals with race, religion, or ethnicity. It's about protecting us. The idea that politicians who took an oath to defend the Constitution, defend this great nation, serve the people who voted for them and those who did not vote for them, I might add. Well, you throw the doors open. You take down our ability to defend ourselves against the enemies of America. I want someone to be made accountable. And you look at all these news interviews on television, and one of the first questions they'll ask members of Congress, why haven't you passed comprehensive immigration reform? Why don't they ask, why haven't you thrown your family off the cliff? Comprehensive immigration reform would be a disaster. I wrote about it for Front Page Magazine. I hope after this program you will all go to frontpagemag.com and check out my article, Biden's immigration bill would be an act of national suicide. Figures don't lie, but liars can figure. The mainstream media refuses to talk about these issues honestly. They refuse to make note of the fact that Biden talks about legalizing or giving citizenship to 11 million illegal aliens. Why? How does that benefit Americans? That's a simple, fundamental question. I want those politicians who support comprehensive reform to look into the camera and say to the average American, sir, ma'am, this is why it's in your best interests. The lies, oh, the lies are amazing. Well, they're here, they're in the shadows, we'll get them out of the shadows. No, you won't get them out of the shadows. You get people out of the shadows by hiring agents who can arrest people. The people who will come out of the shadows either have fake identities and they're terrorists and they're looking for immigration fraud as a way to hide in plain sight. We saw that with the 9-11 hijackers. Nancy Pelosi's running around going, we need a 9-11 commission-style report. We need a 9-11 commission report to deal with what happened on January 6th. Wow. Why doesn't she read the 9-11 Commission report to begin with? Why doesn't she look at the policies, <coughs> pardon me, of the Democrat Party and explain 
how sanctuary cities open borders and no integrity to the process by which we give lawful status to aliens were all vulnerabilities that were exploited by terrorists, not just on 9-11. You know, I've testified before many congressional hearings in Washington. I, I was told I hold some kind of a record. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, I've testified before 17 uh, in the House and Senate. I also provided depositions that were added to the congressional record at additional hearings. And if you look at what the 9-11 Commission talked about, it was all about immigration. My very first hearing that I, where I participated was back on May 20th, 1997, four and a half years before 9-11. It was on visa fraud and immigration benefit fraud. And that hearing was predicated on two terror attacks carried out in the United States in 1993. January 93, a Pakistani by the name of Amil Kansi shot up the CIA. He had applied for asylum. He bought into a courier van service. He had a permit to park the van in the parking lot of the CIA in Virginia. He pulled in that January morning as people were coming to work, jumped out of the van with an AK-47, opened fire. He killed two CIA officers, wounded three others, and fled the country. Bad guys from other countries have an escape hatch. Americans don't have. They go back to their home country. And frequently, that takes them out of the reach of our long arm of the law, except in Kansi's case, given the nature of the crimes, our guys tracked him down. They found him in Pakistan, brought him back. He was put on trial, found guilty, executed, but the people he killed stayed dead. The people that he wounded stayed injured. One month after the attack at the CIA, you had the bombing at the Trade Center. It was a truck bomb. The truck was rented by an alien who had violated his immigration status, so he's here illegally. The driver of the truck also had violated his status. These were men from the Middle East. <clears throat> that bomb went off almost brought the towers down sideways, as it was. It inflicted about a half billion dollars in damages, $500 million in damages, killed six, injured over a 1,000. And now New York State gives driver's licenses to people who can't prove who they are. And they block <coughs> access to the DMV computer, to Homeland Security, the Border Patrol, ICE, the inspectors, the ports of entry, if they want to run a license plate, they have to submit a subpoena, and with luck, uh, any day or week or whenever, they might get an answer. They need real-time information. We used to have the computer in the radio room. I was trained and certified to work that computer. If I punched in a license plate, we had the information we needed within a matter of seconds so we could convey it to a team on the street. Can't do it anymore because immigration agents are evil. They're trying to take drugs off the street. They're trying to take drug traffickers and child molesters and terrorists and people who are taking Americans' jobs. How dare you? <clears throat> How dare you protect Americans? We want to have a defunded police department so that people can die, and people are dying across the country. And, and you look at Cuomo, the thousands that died because of his insanity, and then it looks as though he ordered his people to misrepresent in an official report who died and where and what the circumstances were, boy, oh, boy, this looks awfully close to a criminal violation of law. And I'm going to bet that they're squeezing the people who, were, who prepared that report, giving them the option. Do you want door number one or door number two? Door number one, if it turns out they decided that it crossed the criminal threshold, you go to jail. Or door number two, you cooperate and we go after the idiot who gave you the orders, Mr. Television himself, Andy Cuomo. Hi, Andy. If you're listening, 
I wouldn't want to be you. Too bad. Every once in a while, people get what they deserve. I certainly hope, I fervently hope, you get everything you deserve and are entitled to. You worked so long and so hard to be put into the hot seat. All that remains is for them to plug it in. And I hope they do. I hope they do. To have such contempt for the women who worked for him, the women that he encountered, Mr. Untouchable, I'm sick of it. This is the guy who called immigration agents thugs, thereby endangering their safety and their ability to protect Americans. And not just the New York folks, because if you get a New York driver's license, you can go anywhere in the country and rent a car. If you're a criminal, you're in like Flint with that driver's license. If you're a smuggler, you have license plates from New York State on your car. You go through the Mexican border down in Texas or Arizona, I don't care where. You can't run the tag. It's going to come back blocked, thanks to Andy Cuomo, because he believes immigration agents are thugs. Wow. Time and time and time again, what we're witnessing is that these politicians aren't looking out for us. I started out talking about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. She made a very interesting point on that documentary. She said that the mascot of the United States, the emblem of the United States, should not be the bald eagle but the pendulum. And that's exactly right. The political pendulum is always in motion. If we get too far to the left, it comes back and sometimes goes too far to the right. You know, if you're going to be really radical, you can have a radical reaction. Uh, Be careful what you wish for. You know, I think about Germany and the Weimar regime, which was a disaster. And what did the Weimar regime lead to? The Third Reich. So with all this insanity of burning down statues and burning down people's businesses and all this other craziness, and of course the radical left and their media um, advocates, oh, there's nothing violent here. These are mostly peaceful demonstrations. And you see flames everywhere behind the reporter as he stands there in front of a camera saying this is mostly peaceful, other than the buildings that are burning to the ground. Right, okay, sure. And the people that have been shot. Okay, right, mostly nonviolent. So Nancy Pelosi creates this story that there was an armed insurrection at the Capitol. If you watch the hearing, they asked the FBI officials who testified how many guns were recovered. And the answer was zero. Well, armed insurrection requires firearms. There were none. They asked how many shots were fired. And according to a woman who was an assistant director to the FBI, she said that to her knowledge, the only shots that were fired were fired by law enforcement. Where is the story now about armed insurrection? No shots fired other than that fired by law enforcement. No guns or weapons recovered at the scene, armed insurrection. Okay. And by the way, I'd like to know the identity of the officer who shot that unarmed Air Force veteran as she climbed through a window. Was she guilty of trespass? Absolutely. But apparently she was unarmed. Why was she shot? Why was she shot? You had a police officer who allegedly died because he was hit in the head with a fire extinguisher, and that story keeps changing, and now we're not sure what his cause of death was, and we're not hearing about that anymore. This is sounding more and more like like China or the Soviet Union in the old days than, than it does America. 
When I was an agent, we were told that if you're involved in a shooting, every trigger pull will result in a separate report. If you're in a firefight and you fire off 12 rounds, every round could be justified and perfect and everyone's going to call you a hero. And then you crank off number 13 and they do an investigation. They go, whoa, the first 12 were perfectly okay, but that 13th one you had no justification. And guess where that leads? You could be prosecuted. You are accountable for every trigger pull. These aren't kids running around with cap pistols, bang, 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 bang. No, it doesn't work that way. You pull the trigger, you better have an articulable, justifiable reason for pulling the trigger. If you don't, you better lawyer up. Now, maybe the officer who pulled the trigger, I'm very supportive of law enforcement, maybe he or she had justification. I don't know. I don't know what the facts are, but no one else does either. We don't even know who did it, but we sure as hell know who killed George Floyd. This is why equality is important. We have this nonsense going around about white privilege and white supremacists. Uh, When I was in law enforcement, and my own personal belief is that racial profiling is illegal and immoral. You don't judge people by something they have no control over. I had no control over the fact that I was born. Have any of you, can, can anybody out there say, oh, yes, I asked to be born? Anybody out there like that? Anybody out there say, I wanted to be born a man or a woman or white or black or born into a Christian home or a Jewish home? Did you, did you have a voice in any of this? No. You came into this world unwittingly. No one asked your permission. No one said, would you like to come into this world? Nope. Bango, there you were, and you had a doctor slapping you on the ass. <clears throat> and, and, and now this is your life. So the real issue isn't to look at the issues you have no control over, but the issues you do have control over, <clears throat> and that's what you do and how you conduct yourself. <clears throat> that's where we, we need to be made accountable. It's what kind of person are you? Not what color, not what religion, not what sex, not what... Are you honest? Are you decent? That's what matters. That's where we get held accountable for the things that we do have control over. So when we hear this this insanity about white privilege, I know plenty of white people who live in poverty, and I know some black people who live a a wonderful life and they've been well-educated and highly successful. Life is what we make of it. Period. Sometimes life throws us curbs. I've, I've suffered them. We all do. I, you know, my, my dad, may rest in peace, said to me that if you could put your problems on a clothesline and hang it out, and then you can go up and down the block and look at your neighbor's clotheslines, you'll probably come back to your problems rather than your neighbor's problems. Nobody gets out of this life unscathed. All of us suffer. And that suffering should teach us the sanctity of life and the need to be compassionate and considerate of one another. We should be our brothers and sisters keepers. We should be there to help each other out. And you have politicians who are elected to represent us, and they're shafting Americans left, right, and center, both political parties. I'm so tired of reading responses to my articles at Front Page Magazine, and sometimes the response will talk about the, the, the dumbass Democrats or whatever. Well, there are some of those. But I don't see too many winners in the Republican Party either. When Donald Trump first was elected, the Republicans controlled both houses, and Donald Trump could not get a border wall. Why? 
The border wall is not a wall of hate. These are the lies that they tell you. Oh, yes, it's a border wall of hate. They want to keep out Mexicans. The border wall doesn't stop anybody from entering. It really doesn't. I've talked about it before. I'm going to talk about it right now. If the border wall was supposed to stop the entry of people and cargo into the United States, then those walls would have blocked off the ports of entry, but they don't. The ports of entry are wide open. All the border wall does is make certain that you have an orderly process that funnels all people and all cargo through a port of entry so that they can be vetted and screened and inspected and a record of entry created. It's not about keeping people out. It's about a lawful, orderly process. So when people say, forgive me for Kermit the Frog, so when people say, oh, it's a wall of hate, no, it's not. It's just so that we make sure we know who's coming into the country. The 9-11 Commission was crystal clear about that. And so now you have Joe Biden with a crisis on the border. He's being asked, is that a crisis? And he says, no, it's a challenge. Well, someone should follow that up and say, well, what's the challenge? Is the challenge to stop it from happening? Is the challenge to find ways of getting more people to come in? Is the challenge to see how many more Americans we can displace? Or the challenge to see how many more aliens with COVID can be turned loose throughout America because that's what they've been doing? For all the talk about lockdown and wear masks and you're in the Neanderthal if you're opening up your city or your state, it's the Biden administration that's been turning aliens loose into the interior of the United States even when they've tested positive for COVID. You want to talk about Neanderthal? What are they doing, taking a page out of Cuomo's playbook? If you're concerned about a pandemic, you have people in custody who have an illness. Why in the world are you allowing them to go to the general population where they can infect more people? At what point does this become an impeachable offense? You know, I find it remarkable Uh, I'm not one of those blind adherents to Donald Trump. I have my issues with Donald Trump, okay? But it was so crystal clear that they were going after him, the Democrats were going after Trump, purely because he was Donald Trump. And I think mostly because of immigration, because they knew he was the whistleblower. If you go to the front page magazine, I wrote about how Donald Trump was the whistleblower-in-chief for the United States. So you had politicians on both sides of the aisle freaking out, saying, oh, my God, Donald Trump is liable to tell the American people the truth about just how dirty and corrupt we are. That's what happened. But if you look at a section of the immigration laws, which it would appear sanctuary cities are violating, and it would appear that the uh, Biden administration is violating, Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1324, this is about alien smuggling, human trafficking, criminal penalties in that section of law. Any person who, knowing, knowing that a person is an alien, brings to or attempts to bring to the United States in any manner whatsoever such a person at a place other than a designated port of entry or a place other than is designated by the commissioner, regardless of whether such alien has received prior official authorization to come to enter or reside in the United States, and they go on to talk about how these are felonies. Well, the president can get away with it, I guess, because he can decide that we're going to let them in. But catch these two sections and think about sanctuary cities. Knowing or in reckless disregard of the fact that an alien has come to enter or remains in the United States in violation of law, conceals, harbors, or shields from detection, or attempts to conceal, harbor, or shield from detection, 
such alien at any place, including any building or any means of transportation. Isn't that what sanctuary cities do? Isn't that exactly what they do? Conceals, harbors, or shields from detection aliens who are here illegally? That's a felony. If you or I did it, they would come and put handcuffs on you, and they should. Now, here is where I, I wonder about the Biden administration. He may be the president, but he's not above the law. How many times do we hear that Donald Trump is not above the law? He's not above the law. He made a phone call. Now let's go impeach him. Okay. Well, this is a lot worse than a phone call because under Section 4, encourages or induces an alien to come to, enter, or reside in the United States knowing or in reckless disregard of the fact that such coming to entry or residence is or will be in violation of law or engages in any conspiracy to commit any of the preceding acts or aids or abets in the commission of any of the preceding acts. When the president said, it is my plan to give you lawful status, was that not encouraging and inducing? Come to America any way you can, and we will give you a path to citizenship. Really? How do you define inducing and encouraging? Come to America, we will give you what you want. Come to America, we will give you free health care. Come to America, we will give you money if you're not able to get a job, even though working is illegal, because the immigration laws used to be enforced primarily by the Labor Department to protect jobs and wages of Americans. So think of the madness. The Democrat Party wants to provide illegal aliens with COVID relief because they can't work. They're not supposed to work. That's part of the reason we have immigration laws. How in the world are those statements not, how do they not constitute encouraging or inducing? They do. And if you don't believe that it encouraged and induced, look at the videos of the huge mobs of people forming in Mexico trying to get into the United States. They have been induced and encouraged or they wouldn't be there. Is that not true? What part of this am I getting wrong? It's clear. It's clear that the words and policies articulated by Biden and the words and policies articulated by Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of the Department of Homeland Security, I call it the Department of Homeland Surrender, he's responsible for the Border Patrol, for the Customs Inspectors, for the ICE agents, for the adjudicators who decide who gets asylum, who gets citizenship, who gets green cards. Don't come now, but, but come, but just wait a little while. That's not saying don't come. So they're telling you, come when we tell you it's okay. Based on what? And when we hear about asylum, you need to know that the majority of people who apply for asylum are economic refugees, not political refugees. There is no such provision in the immigration laws for economic refugees. I mean, the whole world could come here. Imagine someone comes in and says, well, I can only earn $100 a year in, in my country in Africa, so I'm an economic refugee. I want to come in. We don't permit that because we could have 3 billion people come to America. Let me know how that works out for you. It's political asylum because your life is in danger or your safety is in danger because of your race or your religion or your ethnicity or your tribal affiliations or your political beliefs or your sexual orientation. That's basically it. You have to be able to show what's called credible fear. 
I fear for my life because. And fraud runs rampantly through the program. Think of the Sarnayev brothers. If you don't remember them, we all have short memories. They were the two thugs that attacked the Boston Marathon. Their family came to America from Russia. And then they said, we can't go back. If we go back, they're going to kill us. So we gave them political asylum because they articulated credible fear. And right after they got asylum, they hopped on airplanes, and guess where they went? Not Disney World. They went back to Russia. Clearly, they lied. And what did the Republicans do? Bob Goodlatte and the company said, oh, we need a new law. If someone gets asylum and then goes back to that country and there's no regime change, we can prosecute them. Did we need that law? Of course not. Why not? Well, isn't it obvious that if you say, I can't go back to Russia, and then you go back to Russia once we give you asylum, that you must have lied unless you're suicidal. So it's obvious that you lied. It's obvious that you committed fraud. Those laws have been on the books forever. 18 U.S.C. 1001, which is perjury. 18 U.S.C. 1546, which is filing a false application for a visa. So the laws are there. So why did we need a new law? That specifically says, if you say I can't go home and you go home, now we can prosecute you. It's redundant. It's not necessary, but it's window dressing. It's part of the magic act. Do you know what we need more than that silly law change? We need more agents so they can scrutinize what's going on, but you'll never get more agents because the immigration system suffers from failure by design. It's designed to fail. Why? Well, the immigration lawyers want clients. How better to get clients than to let them in? And then you provide them with a legal status, so they have to go to a law firm, and guess what? The government was going to pay for the lawyers. Why? Because we're being compassionate towards the aliens? Of course not. Does anyone pay your accountant when you file a tax return? For those of you who became immigrants and came here and ultimately became resident aliens and U.S. citizens, who paid for your lawyers? Nobody. So why are we paying for lawyers for the illegals? Because the illegals are poor. <clears throat> they won't be able to pay for the attorneys. And lawyers hate to work for free. They are all about billable hours. And, and the question that I could never get an answer to, this is an interesting question. Maybe some of you can dig into this. How many members of Congress are lawyers? How many members of Congress are immigration lawyers? I know Bob Goodlatte, the former Republican chairman of the House Judiciary Committee, was an immigration lawyer. I know that Zoe Lofgren, who currently chairs the House Immigration Subcommittee, and she's a Democrat, she's an immigration lawyer. Um, do you see a conflict in interest here? Possibly. Think of where we are and how we got here. Is this meeting the needs of the American people? And when you look at the articles, there was a terrible accident. And in fact, Newsweek had me come on twice this past week. And there's another news organization that had me on. I, I did a TV appearance for News Nation Now, um, and, and they focused a considerable amount of attention, and understandably so, on, on a horrific crash, as Epic, news, Epic Times calls it, uh, what the horrific crash on the border says about U.S. immigration policies. Well, is, this is pro, I'm sorry, this is ProPublica, not Epic Times, forgive me. ProPublica ran that story. And the story was what the horrific crash on the border says about U.S. immigration policy. And the focus was on the plight of the people who want to come here. Now, they're desperate. Desperate people resort to desperate tactics. Why doesn't the headline read what the horrific crash on the border says about immigration policy and how it impacts Americans? 
it's horrible that these people died. There were, I think, 24, 25 people jammed into a, a, an SUV that was designed to hold eight people. Uh, you know, talk about flying coach. Why, why do they do that? Because to human traffickers, people are cargo. You know, they throw suitcases around. They load the hold, the, the hold of the airplane. They, they dump it into the cargo hold. That's how they look at people. They rape the women. Some women, and I, I've interviewed people that we've arrested back when I was an immigration agent. I was in every squad, including the anti-smuggling unit, and it wasn't nearly as violent back then. But many women still took birth control pills months before they began attempting to come here with the help of a smuggler because they knew that there was a potential that they were going to be gang-raped. Human traffickers are among the most violent and pernicious dirtbags you're ever going to encounter. I remember one case where a family paid for their uncle to be smuggled into the United States and Central America. They got a call from the smugglers, and they said, well, we've got your uncle, but you're not going to see him unless you can come up with more money. They wanted thousands of dollars more, and this was decades ago. A lot of money. And these poor people somehow got together with their neighbors and everybody else, and they put their money together, and they gave the smugglers, I think it was an additional three or $4,000, and they made good on the promise. They delivered the uncle. Unfortunately, he had died en route, so they left his rotting body on their front lawn. Imagine that story. This is what we're dealing with. By the way, sanctuary cities encourage human trafficking and shield and harbor the human traffickers from ICE. Passionate as that. And there's Governor Cuomo. The ICE agents are thugs. Really? And what are you, Mr. Cuomo? What are you, intimidating, allegedly, young women who worked for you? Are you kidding me? Thugs? Look in the mirror. Hope you don't shatter the damn thing. Although you might get seven years of bad luck or seven years of free room and board, God knows. Just joking. This is outrageous. So the focus is, oh, my God, these people died. Well, this happens all the time on the border. The level of violence is off the chart. And when you move children through the desert, many of them don't survive the the trek because of heat and lack of water and poisonous snakes and poisonous insects. And we don't know when these kids are separated from the family. All we hear about, oh, the ICE agents tore those family members apart. Very often the families split up long before they crossed the border into Mexico from Central America. Some parents may rent out their children. Not everybody is a nice parent. There's a lot of bad parenting in the world. Some of them uh, may have been offered money. Maybe they think it's the way to get themselves here so they endanger their children so they can come. <clears throat> and maybe kids are being kidnapped. <clears throat> and what I really worry about are the very young. How do you interview an eight-month-old child? During the Obama administration, I cannot forget that image of this guy wading across the Rio Grande with a six-month-old baby in his arms that at first he claimed was his, and then he eventually admitted, no, that's not my kid. And this guy had a long rap sheet and had been previously deported from the United States. God only knows if that child was ever reunited with his family. How did he come to be in the custody, if you will, of a thug? who ran the border and saw in that child an opportunity to overcome the need for a visa to come to America. Because if you come with a child, we can't detain you. So they're using children instead of a visa. This is madness. 
So when Obama, when, when Obama, no different, really. Actually, the policies of Biden are worse than Obama's. And we heard all this business about the cages. I can't tell you how many times I went to a family dinner during the Trump administration and people wagged their finger at me, look at those cages. I said, you know, they were built by Obama. Oh, no, they weren't. Trump did it. None is so blind as he who will not see, folks. Those cages were built by the Obama administration. And now they're using shipping containers that they've carved holes into and put bars on the windows. And and so this is now the humane way that we're treating children. They're here because they have been enticed. They have been induced. They have been encouraged by the words and by the executive orders of President Biden. No more interior enforcement. We're going to have a moratorium on deportations. We're going to stop building the wall. We're going to give people legal status. Well, that's called an inducement. That's called encouraging, aiding, abetting, inspiring. How does this not constitute a high crime for the purposes of an impeachment? I want someone to explain to me how his words, his actions, his executive orders are in the best interests of America and Americans. Turning people loose in the United States that you know are infected with the COVID virus, it's exactly what Cuomo did with the nursing homes. And now Biden is doing it to America. And no one is saying a word. And no one's going to report on the circumstances under which the children are being held. Those kids are here because Biden refuses to continue on with Trump's policies that worked. The Remain in Mexico policy was working. It was discouraging people from coming here. And once they're in the country, who do you think is going to look for them? Yes, we're going to let them into America, and they're going to have to go before a judge. Do you know when they're going to see a judge when you look at the numbers of judges and the numbers of cases? I kid you not. I kid you not. I'm willing to bet that some of these folks will not see a judge for at least five years. And what happens in those five years? If it's a criminal, how many crimes will he or she have committed? Will they have gotten married to an American and say, look, I'm married to an American? Why are we allowing people into the country knowing full well that we have no way of looking for them? It's a game of hide and seek. They hide. We don't seek because we don't have the resources because this is a failure by design. And again, consider that if Biden's law did pass and they did legalize, uh, let's say, 25 million illegal aliens, you could be looking at 100 million kids coming to America overnight. It would crash the system. It would overwhelm the system. could be more. And if you don't check for DNA, what happens if people offer money to some guy or some gal who gets lawful status, and they say, hey, take my child and claim he's yours. Or some kid who's 16 years old says, hey, I'll give you $2,000, put my name down on the application. So suddenly we might not be talking four children or five children, maybe ten children. Who's going to know? Who's going to investigate it? If you don't have the resources to investigate it, the $100 million could quickly grow to $150 million. We could... <laughs> Add 50% to our population in a matter of a couple of years. Do you think that's sustainable? And when these kids quickly grow up and become part of the labor pool, 
Everyone gets excited when we create 50,000 jobs, okay? What happens if we have 50, 000, 50 million workers looking for work as these kids get older? America could turn into Venezuela in just two years, and guess who would be the happiest? Iran, Russia, China? China is hell-bent on running the world. The best way for them to run the world is to ruin America. Biden is putting America on a collision course with a catastrophe. Think about that. I, I want to read to you a couple of sections from the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Because I, I want to remind you <clears throat> about what we were warned about, even as Nancy Pelosi is running around like the headless chicken. We need a 9-11 Commission-style report. We have to convene a 9-11-style commission. We need to know what happened on January 6th. Um, not so much an armed insurrection. By the way, why was it not considered an insurrection when there were efforts to rip down the gates around the White House and fire was set to the church across the street from the White House and President Trump and his family had to be hustled into a bunker in the basement of the White House? That wasn't an attempt at insurrection? Really? Dozens of federal officers were badly injured, but that wasn't an insurrection? Now, I'm not trying to forgive or explain away or excuse what happened on January 6th. Anybody who broke the law, entered illegally, needs to be criminally prosecuted. They need to throw the book at them. I, I want to be very clear about this. I'm, I'm not giving anybody a pass. I don't care if they're on the extreme left or the extreme right. I have a problem with extremists. I'm a very strong supporter of the First Amendment. I'm practicing it right now, sitting here talking to you. I believe fervently in the First Amendment. In fact, I wish that for Memorial Day and Veterans Day and Fourth of July, those three days specifically should be declared days of, of debate and discourse. Celebrate the First Amendment, because after all, if you don't have freedom of speech, all the other freedoms evaporate. There is no other freedom. Freedom of speech means freedom of thought. But to go out and be violent or threaten violence? No. That's a line that must never be crossed, can never be excused, and people that do it need to be made to pay a price. But to hear this nonsense about armed insurrection, and that's why we're putting up walls and barriers and concertine wire, but not on the Mexican border, just around the Capitol. And the politicians were upset that their workplace was damaged. Did they give a rat's tail that people lost their businesses? Maybe these were businesses that had been passed down to them by their parents, maybe their parents' parents. Generations of family run the business. They're successful. They support themselves. They put their kids through college. They're living a decent life, working their tails off, living the American dream, and their building is reduced to, to, to ashes. And we're told, oh, this is mostly nonviolent. But the fact that the Capitol, where the politicians work, was attacked, whoa, now that's a line that you can't accept. Really? Any violence perpetrated in America against any Americans needs to be prosecuted and investigated, period. Or maybe I'm doing it backwards, investigated and prosecuted. But the point is, that's not what we're seeing. By the way, I mentioned the section of the immigration law I just want to mention the section of the U.S. Constitution that Mr. Biden, I believe, is in violation of. 
Specifically, I'm talking about Article 4, Section 4, that states, the United States shall guarantee to every state in this union a republican form of government and shall protect each of them against invasion and on application of the legislature or of the executive when the legislature cannot be convened against domestic violence. You look at the gangs, you look at the drugs, you look at the cartels, you look at the terrorists, you look at the 9-11 Commission, which was convened to prevent future such attacks. And I want to know how this doesn't constitute a violation of the Constitution that guarantees protection against invasion and domestic violence. Lest we not consider this, the term invasion, according to the dictionary, an incursion by a large number of people or things into a place or sphere of activity, an unwelcome intrusion into another's domain, two definitions. Does that not describe what we're seeing? What does it take for Biden to commit an impeachable offense? You have to wonder if that line has already been crossed with executive orders <clears throat> that countermand standing law. The president doesn't have the right to write an executive order that erases law. You don't like a standing law? Well, then you go to Congress and you legislate a new law to replace the old law, but you can't get rid of laws by executive order. That's nuts. He's not a dictator, although he's acting like a dictator, or somebody at least behind him is. I, I'm not sure Joe is even quite aware of what's happening. He seems to be uh, flying on instruments, but he doesn't have a, a good radar unit, you know. The guy is definitely in a fog. But who's ever making the decisions appears to be violating the Constitution and appears to be violating the Immigration and Nationality Act. Why is nobody talking about that? Why is no one making note of it, especially when you consider that the 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel, this was an official government report that was prepared by the federal agents and the attorneys who were assigned to work with the 9-11 Commission. And the preface of that report, the very beginning of the report, which lays out why they did the report in the first place, these, this is the very first paragraph of that preface to that report, 9-11 and terrorist travel. It is perhaps obvious to state that terrorists cannot plan and carry out attacks in the United States if they are unable to enter the country. Yet prior to September 11, while there were efforts to enhance border security, no agency of the U.S. government thought of border security as a tool in the counterterrorism arsenal. Indeed, even after 19 hijackers demonstrated the relative ease of obtaining a U.S. visa and gaining admission into the United States, Border security still is not considered a cornerstone of national security policy. We believe for reasons that we discussed in the following pages that it must be made one. The report then goes on and actually talks about the link between human smugglers and terrorists. This is page 61 of that report. In July 2001, the CIA warned of a possible link between human smugglers and terrorist groups, including Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Egyptian Islamic Jihad. Indeed, there is evidence to suggest that since 1999, human smugglers have facilitated the travel of terrorists associated with more than a dozen extremist groups. With their global reach and connections to fraudulent document vendors and corrupt government officials, human smugglers clearly have, quote, the credentials necessary to aid terrorist travel. 
Then we get to this on page 98 under the title of Immigration Benefits. Terrorists in the 1990s, as well as the September 11th hijackers, needed to find a way to stay in or embed themselves in the United States if their operational plans were to come to fruition. As already discussed, this can be accomplished legally by marrying an American citizen, achieving temporary worker status, or applying for asylum after entering. In many cases, the act of filing for an immigration benefit sufficed to permit the alien to remain in the country until the petition was adjudicated. Terrorists were free to conduct surveillance, coordinate operations, obtain and receive funding, go to school and learn English, make contacts, make contacts in the United States, acquire necessary materials, and execute an attack. So imagine that. Imagine that. And then there is this. This is on page 54 of that report. This is section 3.2. Terrorist Travel Tactics by Plot. And again, I'm quoting now from that 9-11 Commission staff report on terrorist travel. Although there is evidence that some land and sea border entries of terrorists without inspection occurred, these conspirators mainly subverted the legal entry system by entering at airports. Again, we're a nation of 50 border states. In doing so, they relied on a wide variety of fraudulent documents on aliases and on government corruption. Because terrorist operations were not suicide missions in the early to mid-1990s, once in the U.S., terrorists and their supporters tried to get legal immigration status, exactly what Joe Biden is offering in mass to tens of millions. No interviews, no field investigations, folks. Think about this. Once in the United States, terrorists and their supporters tried to get legal immigration status that would permit them to remain here, primarily by committing serial or repeated immigration fraud by claiming political asylum, that's what they're doing, isn't it? Asylum, and by marrying Americans. Many of these tactics would remain largely unchanged and undetected throughout the 1990s and up to the 9-11 attack. Thus, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement. Remember, Biden has shut down interior enforcement and sanctuary cities do everything they can to run interference against the ICE agents, right? So thus, abuse of the immigration system and a lack of interior immigration enforcement were unwittingly working together to support terrorist activity. It would remain largely unknown since no agency of the U.S. government analyzed terrorist travel patterns until after 9-11. This lack of attention meant that critical opportunities to disrupt terrorist travel and therefore deadly terrorist operations were missed. Understand what they're saying here. This is exactly what we are witnessing because the way the southern border is being inundated to the point that there is anarchy on the southern border and the Biden administration doesn't want to call it a crisis but a challenge? A challenge? Read the 9-11 Commission report. Read the staff report on terrorist travel and you could tell me with a straight face that this is not a crisis but a challenge? Is Joe Biden somehow working cooperatively with ISIS, Al-Qaeda, um, Hezbollah, Hamas? God only knows. And look at the situation, the way it is degrading with Iran, which brings us back to something else that I've spoken about in the past. I'm going to read this to you. There was a hearing that was conducted, uh, bear with me, 
by the way, uh, October 18, 2018, Judicial Watch wrote a report, 100 ISIS terrorists caught in Guatemala as Central American caravan heads to the United States. Um, in this report, here's a quote. In a startling revelation, Guatemala's president announced in the country's largest newspaper that nearly 100 ISIS terrorists have been apprehended in the impoverished Central American nation. Heading to the United States. Heading to the United States. So now let's add to that. Um, bear with me one second, folks. Okay. On April 17, 2018, the House Counterterrorism and Intelligence Subcommittee conducted a hearing on the topic, the state sponsors of terrorism, an examination of Iran's global terrorism network. So here is an excerpt from the prepared testimony of one of the witnesses at that hearing, Dr. Emmanuel Odolenge of the Foundation for the Defense of Democracies. These are his words. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks, by the way, we always think about Hezbollah in the Middle East, right? Well, they're in Latin America, lots of them across the entire South American continent. In recent years, Hezbollah's Latin American networks have also increasingly cooperated with violent drug cartels and criminal syndicates, often with the assistance of local corrupt political elites. Cooperation includes the laundering of drug money, arranging multi-ton shipments of cocaine to the United States and Europe, and directly distributing and selling illicit substances to distant markets. Proceeds from these activities finance Hezbollah's arms procurement, its terror activities overseas, its hold on Lebanon's political system, and its efforts both in Lebanon and overseas to keep Shia's communities loyal to its cause and complicit in its endeavors. This last paragraph keeps me awake almost every night. Listen carefully. This toxic crime terror nexus that is between Hezbollah and the human traffickers and drug smugglers, this toxic crime terror nexus is fueling both the rising threat of global jihadism and the collapse of law and order across Latin America that is helping to drive drugs and people northward into the United States. It is sustaining Hezbollah's growing financial needs, It is helping Iran and Hezbollah consolidate a local constituency in multiple countries across Latin America, thus facilitating their efforts to build safe havens for terrorists and a continent-wide terror infrastructure that they could use to strike U.S. targets. But we don't have a crisis on the southern border, really. Bill Clinton redefined the word is. It's time we challenge the Biden administration to explain the difference between a challenge and a crisis. My goodness gracious. Do bombs need to go off in our country before they acknowledge that there's a problem? I remember after 9-11, I did so many hearings. I was on so many programs. I testified before state legislative bodies across America. And everybody pounded the podium, and they all wanted to know why didn't they connect the dots. This evening, folks, I've connected the dots once again. And we're told that this isn't a crisis. I guess the specter of a terror attack in America is not a crisis. Is it welcomed by this administration? I don't know. I don't know what to think. I don't know what to think. 
You've got Pelosi demanding a 9-11-style commission to figure out what the hell happened on January 6th. Maybe she should read the damn 9-11 commission report first. And then maybe someone should have the balls to ask her point blank, why the hell are you ignoring that commission and its report if you're calling for a 9-11-style commission over a riot at the Capitol on January the 6th? What am I missing? What in the world am I missing? And then add to this the fact that there's a shortage of vaccine, there's a shortage of beds, and the administration is turning people loose into America who are infected with the COVID virus. Whose side are you on, Mr. Biden and Democrat Party? And where the hell are the Republicans? You'd have one hell of a time convincing me that this government of the United States of America stands for the best interests of America, that it's truly a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. Maloney, this is a government that satisfies the needs and demands of the bribers, the people that provide the deep pocket campaign contributions, the people that are really running the government. It's Silicon Valley, it's the social media, they're acting like the Ministry of Truth right out of George Orwell's 1984. And Joe Biden flying in a fog is doing some very serious, potentially irreparable damage to this country, to the future of this country, to the future of the citizens of this country, and to our children and their children. And yet nobody is making him accountable. I'd love to understand why not. I'd love to know how anyone could look at these facts, which are clear and unequivocal, and not have an anxiety attack and demand answers. And demand answers. We need the answers. And we need them yesterday, not tomorrow. We, the people, need to reach out to these elected politicians. Please go to my website, frontpagemag.com. Com. I'm also going to be writing for the, for the American Conservative beginning next week. Please forward the articles and the podcasts, if you like, to every elected politician and say to them, listen, enough of the nonsense. I don't think you folks understand what's going on. If you do understand what's going on, uh, what is your ultimate goal for our country and for our citizens? We have the right to the answers. The problem is that up until now, no one has been asking the questions. It's time that we did. That's the work that all Americans can and must do. I'm not going to be doing my show next weekend. Uh, We'll have some family celebrations to uh, fortunately uh, attend to, but I will be back in two weeks. But meanwhile, folks, I want you to please remember that democracy is not a spectator sport. We are living in a very perilous era. The, my mother-in-law from my first wife, both of whom since passed, uh, was in a concentration camp during the Holocaust. I asked her, how in the world did it get to that point? And her answer was chilling. She said, everyone said, it can't get worse. We must demand that it never gets worse. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great weekend. Be well. See you in two weeks.